0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Traditional Medicine with Shaman Flora. I'm your host, Ximena Garcia. This show is all about understanding yourself through plant medicine, as well as providing education and knowledge around this topic. I hope you guys love listening to this episode as much as I enjoy recording it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Traditional Medicine with Shaman Flora. And today we have our first guess And I'm so excited for this episode. Uh, it's like this person means so much to me. He is the person that taught me everything that I know until today. He's been my mentor, my teacher, a father figure. I mean, guys, you are uh, for a treat. This man has had so much experience in the world of plant medicine he lived in the jungle for quite some time and I'm not going to give all the details. I'm going to let him share those details with us, but he used to be the previous owner of the rainforest healing center. And I brought him today because I wanted to share with you guys a topic about master plants, And I wanted to uh, have someone that had the experience and, um, the relationship with this topic in a way that I have not have yet. And that one day I look up to get to that level. And at the same time, this person has so much wisdom, so much knowledge that for us to have him in this space and for him to be open to share this information with us is a gift. So uh, with any further ado, Omar, welcome so, 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 so much to this space. It's such an honor to have you here today, and I'm so grateful that you say yes to be recording with us. So welcome, 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 welcome. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing very well, and thank you for that um, beautiful introduction. I uh, I hope that I can... Uh, yeah, uh, meet all of your expectations, but, um, thank you. And likewise, you're, you're a very special person, uh, for me as well. Uh, and you hold a very special place in my heart.
0: Okay. So the first thing that I wanted to ask you and I want to, I want, um, to share to our listeners is, is, a little bit about your story. Uh, I mean, I know your story, uh, I've heard it more than once and every time I listen to it, I love it but I think there is so much power in where we came from of like what we have become. And, and I just want to give you the room to share with everybody. What was your story? How did you came to the person that you are today? And, um, and yeah, once, what has that been like for you?
1: That's like a, a loaded question. Cause what's, what's my story. My, my story seems to be forever changing and unfolding and, um, Evolving, I guess my background, my past is I was born in Mexico City. And since then, I've lived in five different countries um, right from the get go. We moved from Mexico City when I was four years old to Scotland. And then I've lived in a lot of different places. Um, and in the early, in the late 90s, early 2000s, I was in the Yucatan Peninsula. I owned a dive shop there. Um, My son was born in the year 2004, and that's kind of like where I hit my midlife crisis. In the year 2004, separated from his mother, I I knew that I needed to go and get some help to to heal my past Um, from my childhood. I had a really, really difficult, hard, abusive childhood so um i started hitchhiking through central and south america about a year later i found myself going up a boat in the amazon uh, river and i got in the city of iquitos this is late um december no november 2004 so back then nobody even had heard the word plant medicine nobody really knew about ayahuasca or or any of those um plants so therefore I went into the jungle, and it completely changed my life. And I had the opportunity to really study and um, do a healing with what I would consider one of the the last true true shaman's. It was actually a female. Her name is Norma Panduro, and I stayed out with uh, out there with her. And she was actually she was she was the one that taught me how to do master plant diets um, in a very very traditional uh, fashion. Um, the way that she learned from her great-grandfather. So um, I stayed out there for a while and then uh, went back to Mexico, sold the dive shop and started working for uh, a law firm, Managed, ended up managing a law firm um, in Chicago and opening up law firms all around the country and then was in a motorcycle accident. And then in the year 2011, I went back and that's when I started the healing center and, uh, I lived in the jungle for eight years, uh, running a healing center. And, uh, until I, uh, until my son decided to come and live with me. And then that's when I left the jungle.
0: Wow. How is, how is your introduction from coming back from the jungle into, into, a city or like the States? Cause you came back to the States, right?
1: Yeah. I came back from the States uh, to the States. That's my son was living in the Patagonia of Argentina with his mother and he wanted to come and, you know, do his education in the States and live with me. And that was, um, that was integration that, that, that I learned hands on what it was like to integrate eight years of, plant medicine work and living in the jungle in a very, very short time. And that was very bumpy. That was a bumpy road. That was not easy. That was probably one of the hardest times. Yeah.
0: Wow. This is great, Omar, because one of the early episodes that we had is is all about integration. And I believe that integration is so important when working with these medicines. So, for you, what was that like? What were practices you discovered during your integration that helped you kind of reinstate into this Western world?
1: What was really, you know, what really helped was to. Really pull yourself out of what was happening, meaning, you know, sometimes you get stuck in this loop of, you know, uh, of of this Western mentality of this Western world of like, well, I got to j- play, you know, get a job and pay this bill. And I got to do this and I got to do that. And, you know, I got to, you know, make friendships and be social and do this. But if you kind of pull yourself out of it and look at it from a bird's eye point of view, you kind of get your breath and you can see things uh, with a lot more clarity. Meditation, being outdoors, baths, uh, showers, water would really help ground me. Spending alone time, I, I remember back then I would like really in need to be alone. If you were to put me in a like a, a social environment, it would be uh, a little bit challenging because, uh, you know, everything needed to settle. So uh, journaling a lot and um And just being soft with myself and and, and just really breathing through things, Um, breath work, yeah, those are things that definitely
0: helped me. Thank you. Wow. Um, Where do we go from here? So many questions. Um, So I think before we go into you working with plant medicine, What was your biggest takeaway from those eight years that you were in the jungle? What was your biggest lesson?
1: Wow, that's a great question, you know, and I've had some time to reflect on it. You know, in all honesty, I'm going to, you know, uh, in all honesty, um, I want to be very honest with your listeners. And what I didn't realize at the time was that I had actually... Built and created a healing center first and foremost for my own personal healing. Um, you know, we always think like, "Oh, yeah, I'm gonna help people out." I'm gonna, sure, that's part of it, but it was a lot for was it for me? It was for me, for my own personal journey. And I was, I always joke around and say like, you know, you know, out of the eight years that I spent in the jungle. Three or four of those years was just learning about my ego and learning how to work with the ego. The last, you know, the last three or four years was actually learning about the plants and learning about the medicine. You know, I went down there from being a very successful, from being very successful running a law firm and, you know, like, you know, to put it bluntly, from from limousines and private airplanes to the jungle. So I thought I was going to be able to, you know, just build a healing center at a snack finger and everything was going to go according to how I wanted it. And now the biggest lesson was learning from the jungle and learning to be humble and learning that the jungle is the one that decides how things are run down there and not, and, and not the way that you want. So it was a big lesson on, um, learning to put my ego on a leash, learning to be humble, learning that, I still had a lot of personal, vol- personal, personable development and healing to go through.
0: Beautiful. And you, I love, I mean, since we, you and I have been working together and, and getting to know each other for the last three years, and, and you say a lot about putting the ego on a leash. I think that that is such a beautiful concept, uh, especially for us in the, in the healing community. I think everybody should learn how to do that, uh, regardless of which job or community or who are we surrounded, but do you have like practices or like words or things that have you like put your ego on a leash or is just an automatic for you?
1: No, I definitely have checks, right? I always have to put myself in check. I always have to ask myself, where is this coming from? Like, you know, I do believe in being spontaneous. I do believe completely and totally Speaking your heart, maybe not necessarily speaking your mind. Um, Like you know, you know, you're you're Colombian and you're fluent in Spanish, so you understand what you're going to understand what I'm about about what I'm about to say, which is piensa con el corazón. Yeah, todos todos debemos de pensar con el corazón. Yeah, we should all think with our heart and through our heart. But society and culture has always taught us to analyze things and dissect things with our brain because that's where our safe place is and that's where we can play the chess game. It's a little bit hard to play a chess game with our heart. So the way that I do it is I always put myself in check by thinking or by asking myself, not thinking, asking myself, where is this coming from? Is this coming from my ego? Is this coming from my her inner child? Is this coming from my lack, my need of approval? Where is this coming from? Where, where's the raíz? Where's the root of what I'm about to say, or what I'm thinking, or what I'm about to do? Is this coming from? If I'm having, and you know, just a simple discussion with somebody, and you know, all of a sudden I feel triggered. Why am I feeling triggered, right? And what's my reaction to that going to be? So it, it takes time. It takes definitely energy, but more than anything, it's more like sitting with things instead of reacting right away. When we react a lot right away, a lot of that is emotion based. So what's that emotion coming from? So I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm by, by no means am I perfect with this. In fact, my spun, my son was just here for spring break. And you know, he triggered me and, and you know, I'm still learning how to how to react to my, you know, my son my son triggering me and how to sit with it and just say okay i realize that this you know he's not trying to trigger me he's just you know doing what he needs to do so or, or verbalizing himself in the way that he needs to so it's a it's an everyday progress it's 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 an everyday work you know it's it's never i don't think we can ever fully master it or at least you know maybe you know ram das or Chichna Chan can or these guys but i'm definitely definitely still working with that
0: i mean you know i mean and you probably know more than i do i've been i've been working in this in this field for just a few years but uh i just recently was working with a lot of healers and and um in the training that we did and a pattern that i saw was when is this over right Mm. it was like when like i'm doing all of this work with all of this medicines to heal my ego to heal my traumas to be able to be the best version of myself and i still fall onto those same patterns and they're like when is this over right like when are we gonna Mm. be done and and I guess you you mentioned that' it's, it's, not, it's not over. It's, it's, it's an always continuous lesson and learning mm. of, um, of our faults and the things that you know mm. that we learn how to do for so many years. So I, 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 I think that it's very humbling too to f- be in face of those things and realize, oh shoot, I have not learned my lesson. Let me let me go back mm. and revisit. Um, what are, what is your thought on that?
1: On that note, um, here, you know, one of my, you know, one of the things that people quote me on is the following plant medicine, earth medicine, as now some of us are calling it, which means, you know, frog toad, um, and definitely medicine that comes from the ground, uh, plant medicine, um, ethne, ethneogens, um, they are the autobahn for healing. Um, it is a fast, direct track. You can, um, you can bend time, um, uh, meaning what you do in five IS sessions, you can do five years with a therapist, right? A traditional therapist before we had, you know, um, psychedelic therapists or therapists that would work with psychedelics. So it is an auto bond to healing. However, those layers need to be, still need to be peeled back. And the way I think of plant medicine or earth medicine is each time, it's, it's you, instead of peeling it back with your fingers, now you're peeling it back with a tool. And the more plant medicine that you do, the sharper that tool becomes so that you're able to peel those layers back faster and faster and faster, but you still have to get through those layers. And sometimes, you know, we get a new layer that pops up, right? Like, I'm sure like all of us had, you know, we, we have things that we have to work through because of COVID because of that isolation, because of that, that's not somebody that's, that's not something that we were expecting, but we still have to work through those. So, Plant medicine are, is just it's a tool to be able to do it in um a faster in a faster way. However, we still always have to do the work. And right now we're at a very unique and very beautiful time that we're calling it, you know, some people call it the psychedelic renaissance. Um I like to call it the psychedelic revival, due to the fact that now we're having therapists. That know how to work with plant medicine, so now it's the East meets the West. You know, if you go out to the jungle and you sit with a shaman and you tell them some of the psychological issues that Westerners have, they don't fully understand that, right? Because they've never been brought up in the world of consumerism. They've never been brought up in the world of Facebook. They've never been brought up in the world of of social uh, insecurity, and we've never been brought up in the world of learning to speak to the plants at a very young age and learning to receive the messages from the jungle. So now if you mix these two, it's becoming incredibly powerful. So therefore, with the therapists that are learning how to work with psychedelics such as psilocybin, such as um, Ibogaine or Iboga, and we can combine those two. It's it's an incredible time to be alive, for for self exploration, for self healing, for self development.
0: A hundred percent, I agree with you. I think that I tell people that when we understand outside the realm of psychedelics what our traumas and our wounds are, and then we consciously enter those space to heal those then there is a, there is a clear target of what we're doing rather than just not, um, just going in for just to go in and and I guess it goes into like intention settings, right? Like something that you taught me, that's where we like root that. But with everything that you're saying, um, since we, um, wanted to know more about master plans and and I know that you have done like a good amount of them, um, how do master plants fit in this picture? Because they're just starting to come up to the surface versus like ayahuasca, peyote, mushrooms, like they're starting to get a little bit more of a buzz and people are starting to be more intrigued about this medicines. So the first question that I will ask you so you can answer the listeners listeners is, what is a master plant?
1: Okay, Um, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> once again you got me with a loaded question um because i mean i could i could sit here and talk an hour just about master plants so there are certain plants in the jungle first of all we have to let me let me backtrack first of all we have to understand that everything has a spirit right that's the first that's the first thing that we really really have to completely come to come to peace with and really completely understand from a place of, of, of absolute, of absolute knowledge of absolute, um, of just being absolute that we have to really understand that every plant absolutely has a spirit, right? Everything on this planet has a spirit, not only living, breathing things that walk, but also, trees and bur i mean uh, flowers and and even stones have spirits and once we understand that then we understand then the next thing that we have to understand is every spirit is very unique they're kind of like personalities just like every person has a unique personality every plant has a unique personality now some of these personalities are gurus other ones are doctors other personalities of these plants are are jokers other ones um and within all of that they have their own unique character yeah there's there's plants that are very jealous there are plants that are not jealous so the master plants are ones that are here to teach us and to heal us right so when we look at plants as now i'm speaking from my experience i can only speak from the jungle we look at two different kinds of plants we look at masters and plants that are not true masters now when we say plants we're also looking at different categories such as number one we're looking at trees okay and in the jungle they call these palos right in spanish we know that palo really means a stick but as we know the spanish in the amazon and the amazon isn't true true spanish So they call them palos so that means a tree and then we have plantas and those are more shrubs and those are those are smaller plants now depending on what kind of work you want to do depends on how you're going to um you know how you're going to dance with this particular spirit for example the spirit of chitik senango has nothing to do with the spirit of Remo Caspi, which has nothing to do with the spirit of Bobinsana. Those three spirits are very, very unique. And what's really incredible about the master plants is, I can honestly say these are really profound, profound healers. They, they, they can heal you more profound than a psychedelic plant can, because it goes, it penetrates you on a much, much more. Or a much deeper level, on a much deeper cellular level, on a soul level, than a psychedelic. Right? With a psychedelic, you get these visions, you get your purge, you get moments of clarity, you get insight. However, you're sitting with that plant for a span of six hours. When you do a master plant diet... You sit with that plant for three days, and then the plant continues working with you for the next five days. So it's a much, much deeper, deeper level of of uh, of a journey with the plant itself.
0: Beautiful. And what is the structure of a master plant? Like, and what I yeah, what I mean by that, like the ceremony, the whole process. So if you can share that with our listeners.
1: So. I was taught how to do the master plant diets in a very, 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 very traditional way. What the listeners have to understand is that a lot of the locals will change things in order to cater to the tourists. If you ask, if you go to a healing center and say, I want to do a master plant diet, they're going to cater it to a Westerner. If you hike three days into the jungle with a backpack and you find a Shaman that's living in the middle of some remote location and you say, I wanna do a master plant diet, he's gonna do it the way that he was taught. He, because the, the, the locals, they aren't gonna give a Westerner a true master plant diet because most of the Westerners will not be able to do it. It's a very, very intense diet. And the way that I was taught was the way that Norma Pandura was taught and a lot of the other curanderos, aguayasqueros, maestros that their grandfathers or great-grandfathers were taught. The first thing is that you have to commune with the plant itself. What's that mean? That means that you have to be sleeping next to the plant. So the way that Norma, Norma was taught and the way that Elias was taught and the way that Don Haido were taught was they were taken into the jungle or they, they went into the jungle with their grandfather or grand, great-grandfather. And the first thing that they would do is that they would sleep next to the plant. So the question arises, how do we know what part of the plant to use how to use it, and when to use it. Like, if you really think about it, and as you know, we used to, you know, I used to do this at the healing center. I used to take people on a jungle hike. And on that jungle hike, I would ask them to count how many different kinds of vine and how many different kinds of leaf they would they would find. There's got to be over a thousand different kinds of vine. And there's hundreds of thousands of different kinds of leaves. So the main question goes to, how did some guy know to take this one particular vine and this one particular leaf, cook it together for 10 hours, and drink it? I mean, if you think about that, like mathematically, that would take thousands of years to come up with. So the way it happens is that the plants communicate. The plants will tell you what part of them to use, when to use it, and for what to use it. And how to use it. So Norma would be taken out to the jungle. And she would sleep next to Chitik Senango. And through just normal. On a diet. Now you have to be on this diet. Before you get this communication with the plant. The diet is no nothing. It's pretty much just straight up Ahoyaska diet. Which is boiled rice. Boiled Fish, only boiled fish with white teeth or – I mean, sorry, with no teeth and boiled eggs, no alcohol, no spice, no sexual activity including masturbation, no sugar, no salt, none of all this stuff. Only So basically what she was taught was boiled plantain, white fish, no teeth, and rice. So, so you have to be super neutral. Your body has to be incredibly neutral. And then you sleep next to the plant. And then the plant starts communicating with you. And then what you do is you do a ceremony to the plant. And it's, sometimes it's the bark. Sometimes it's a root that you macerate in water. And you let it sit for uh, like four to eight hours. Or, I'm sorry, six to eight hours. And then you drink it at 3 o'clock in the morning. Why 3 o'clock in the morning? It's because that energetically is a shift from one day to another day. And then once you drink it, it's in your body and it starts working. And as I said, this is not psychedelic in any way, shape, or form. So how do you get the messages? How do you get the downloads? This all happens through your dreams. So as you're sleeping, the plant starts working with you. Wow. I just got the goosebumps (laughs) so the plants that because i'm thinking about chitik senango that was a tough one that that one (laughs) that one oh my god that one hit me with a bat that one i got hit with a freight train with chitik so um so you go to sleep and then the plant starts working with you and especially with chitik right they're all very different from like you know you have the senango family you have Around five different species of sanangos. You have chitic sanango, Uchu sanango, uh, Motelo sanango, cabayo sanango, and then um, I'm missing one, lobo sanango. So those are their different kinds of sanangos, and they're all very different. So chitic sanango is more like of a guru. That is the Everest of master plants. So let's talk about Uchu sanango. Ucho in Quechua means hot, spicy. Very, very, uh, when you drink it, it feels like you're drinking Tabasco water or like chili water, it's going down. And I remember the first time I did that, I was camping out in the jungle in a tent because I wanted to do it true native style next to a river. And I drank it that night and you know at three o'clock in the morning with the shaman and um, did the mapacho went to bed and i remember waking up in the morning and i really needed to take a mean crap poop shit and i really but my legs weren't working so i was i was paralyzed from the legs down i couldn't use my legs i had to pull myself out of the tent with my hands and like try to pull myself up a tree so I could pull down. It was, it was a mess. It was a mess. Thank God the Shaman was there to help me. The next day, I lost my vision. Um, and the day after that, I was fine. Because you drink it three times. So, so the traditional diet is that you drink it three times in the morning. And then the next five days, you're in complete isolation. And you're processing and allowing the plant to work with you. Chirik is very different. Chirik, you it's it's called the fever medicine because you are in the jungle in June, July, August and you're you're in two sleeping bags because you're freezing and you're, sweating, and you're sweating and you're sweating and you're sweating and you're sweating just like a really bad fever. And you're allowing the plant to work through you. Um, Uchu Sanango is a surgeon. He's a doctor. Chirik Sanango is a guru. He's the sage. He's the, 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 the person that you bow in front of and you listen to all of his messages and you learn. So a true master plant diet consists of eight days. The first day you open up with a ceremony and you and the shaman talk about what he saw in the ceremony, what you saw in the ceremony and what plant, what your intention is and what plant you're going to be working with. At Shaman Flora, one of the amazing things and one of the the probably the best reasons to go to Shaman Flora to work with a master plant is due to the fact that the way it's set up, it's set up for um, what's called isolation master plant diets, which means the tambos or the cabañas or the huts are not right next to each other. So you don't hear people talking. You're in your own little isolated part of the jungle. And to do a true isolation diet, you only talk to one person per day. And that's a shaman. You don't talk to other people, you don't have an iPad, you don't have your phone, you don't have a tablet, you don't have a book, you're only in the tambo, or the, or the hut with pen, paper, and nothing else. You're not even allowed to use toothpaste, You're not allowed to use any deodorant, any soap. You can't do drawings. You can't do uh, drums or musical instruments. You don't have like crochet things, paper, pen, clothes, and nothing else. Because that forces you to only deal with you. And it's like doing a Vipassana in the jungle with a master plant diet. And you're getting all of these downloads from this master plant. So, like I said, you open up with an aya diet, I mean ayah ceremony. The next morning you go out to the jungle, and this is another reason why um doing it at Shaman Flora would be so amazing, because you can go into the jungle, and since there's 110 documented master plants on the site, you actually get to harvest that medicine with the shaman, which means that you're not just you know, you're just not, you know, you're you're able to pay gratitude to the plant and you're able to do a ceremony with the plant that you're about to ingest or that you're about to do this beautiful, deep ceremony with. It's not like, oh, here's my money, bring it to me. No, you actually have to go into the jungle. You know, sometimes it takes an hour to find this plant, but you sit with the plant and you actually, you know, you, you actually contribute to your diet by pulling up the plant, blowing mapacho, cutting the root, and then scraping the, the root, and then and for it to macerate. Then you do that, and you, you do the work of scraping the root, and you're putting intention. A lot of people are actually going through a purge, or actually crying as they're scraping this root, and then the Shaman comes at three o'clock in the morning, knock, knock, you drink it, and you're in it. That happens three days in a row. And the next five days, you're just processing and downloading everything. And um, sticking to this really tough diet. And you're, you know, you're having to take at least three showers a day because you're purging, and you're purging. And depending on the plant that you're doing depends on what spirit you're 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 communing with depends on the spirit that's teaching you that's really guiding you through this. And then the next one is um, you close with a mash with an ayah ceremony. And you close your diet. And then um, the next morning, you drink uh, some lemon, squeeze lime, no some squeeze lime, with salt and a little bit of aki, which is spice and you cut your diet which means that you're not as open and receptive because when you come out of the ceremony you're going to still be very very open and receptive especially chidik i mean with chidik i wanted to like i wanted to kiss everything and hug everything and save everybody with uchu i was same with bobinsana Say um with with Uchu I wanted to get work done. I was super focused mm. focused. I wanted to do all of this stuff. And then what's really important about closing a master plant diet is your post-diet. That's I can't stress how important that is. And that's a month that you have to continue this diet and continuing all this work. So it's really, 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 really important to, um, do the master plant diet afterwards. And, um, that's, that's a very, very traditional master plant diet, um, a dieta, um, a dieta maestro and what you don't, you know, so you, you know, for the people that are listening to this, you know, that's the first thing I would ask, is this isolated? Am I going to be able to hear other people? Am I going to be able to, you don't want to do this with any, it needs to be isolated. So it's just you, the plant and the Shaman checking up with you once uh, once, once a day. Here's another note on that fact. If, if you, Jimena, if you're doing a master plant that I have never done, I can't come within your vicinity. I can't bring you food because I don't have that plant within me. So I can't bring you food, or I can't go up and check up on you, or I can't bring you toilet paper because I don't have that plant in me, like meaning like if you're doing it, what's a plant that I've never done, I've never done, uh, Nemo Rau, right, the Shapiva one. If you're doing that plant, I can't come near you, because because it's in Spanish you say chocar. They're gonna they're gonna crash, and and I have to stay away from you, you know. So these are things that are really important because it's not being, I haven't, I don't know of too many places that are truly doing master plant properly and, you know, just doing master plants on online. That's like, you, how, that's impossible. You have to be in the jungle. You have to have that spirit next to you. And another and really important thing that I need to mention about um, Shaman Flora is that all of these tambos that are built are built next to a master plant, right? So there's a, there's a tambo specifically for Chidik Senango or for Uchu Senango. So that when you're doing this, you have the spirits because the spirits will come and visit you at night. Yeah. While you're sleeping, you can actually see the spirits and, and everybody that's done an Uchu Sanango diet, we've all seen the same kind of spirit. You know, nobody's like, oh, no, it looked like this. We all agree that the spirit, you know, it's same with Mother Aya. We all see her, you know, dressed in leaves or roots and we all see her. I've never ever heard of, a, of somebody saying, oh, yeah, Mother Aya is masculine. No, we've all seen the same, you know, different variation, but we've all seen the female entity of Mother Aya. Same with San Pedro, right? Wachuma, we've all seen the grandfather, right? This old grandfather spirit. Nobody said, oh, I've seen San Pedro or Wachuma or even peyote for that matter to be feminine. No. So that's also really important about Shaman Florida is that all of these tambos all have these master plants planted around them. So that you go to the specifically to this tambo so that you could intertwine with the spirit. Wow. That was a long explanation.
0: No, th- no, thank you. That was wonderful. I mean I learned so much and, and I hear you listen. I mean, you share with me or ask you questions about it constantly. so this is this is great content. I think that everything that you said is really important and in, in especially tradition. I mean, the, the name of the podcast is traditional medicine, because I think that we need to work with these medicines in that context because they were taught to us in that context. I mean, you always tell me, it's like, who am I to change the tradition of spirit plans that I have communicated to the ancestors on how to work with them? And then for me to like, come out with like a new way of doing it, just because it wants to feed my ego. You know what I mean? So I think it's really important for people to understand that distinction. And the reason why this podcast was created was to give people the tools that they need so they actually understand the importance of doing their own research into, okay, I want to do ayahuasca. These are the questions that you should ask. I want to do a master plan. Okay, what are the things that I need to do? So that so then I do it in a way that upholds tradition and keeps the integrity of the teachings. So I think that that's mm. really good. Uh, one of the things that you were mentioning, and, and I do want to go a little bit deep into it is... The post diet, because the post diet is no joke, is definitely no joke. Uh, I remember when I did my bobinsana, I don't know if you remember, uh, we came back from the jungle and then we had this guy from Germany reach out to us saying that he broke his ajosacha diet. Remember? Uh, he he was like, I, I was doing my ajosacha diet. I left my Tambo. I went to Iquitos. I had a ceviche and then I came back and now I can't concentrate. I can't do anything. I mean, such a level of depressions that I want to kill myself. And I remember that You talked to him, I talked to him, and we both told him that he needed to go down to the jungle and then do the whole thing all over again. So if you can speak into the importance of the post diet and how much how much how much challenging that is versus the beginning of the master plans.
1: Oh, boy. Um, Yeah. And just for um, clarity. He did not do the diet with us.
0: No, he, did he didn't. At
1: another, he, he did this at another facility. So I also had, you know, back in the day, but I did have this guy that came. He was a surfer, you know, from California, older gentleman, um, like a 50-year-old guy. He came and he did a master plant diet with us. And then he emails me and he's like, can you talk to my doctors? My legs are very... um." water retained, I'm retaining a lot of water in my ankles and they're huge and the doctors don't understand. So I got a phone call from his doctors and saying we don't understand what's going on with this guy. And he said something about the master plan. And I explained it to the doctors. And I asked this gentleman like what he had done. And he's like, Oh, when I you know, I hadn't seen my wife for you know, two weeks. And when I got home, she wanted to, you know, do some intimacy things. And, um, and he's like, well, I didn't think this was having sex. And I said, of course, you know, this is part of it. You can't just do like, so, so the plants are very jealous and they're so, so you, as a person, as a human being, you are asking the plants to do this work for you. So they're like, okay. And what you're doing is that you're signing a contract with them. You're saying, okay, if I'm going to do this work with you the plant saying, yes, I will do this work with you. However, you have to abide to our regulations and rules by doing this. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a written contract. And if you don't do it and you break it, then what happens is the plants get very upset. And in fact, you can go to Peru and Brazil, um, and especially in Quito's, and you can see, sometimes you see some locals because uh, the, the local Peruvians, especially in the Amazonian region, they do they, they really believe in doing master plants. Um, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say, in my opinion, master plants are far more healing than any other plant, any other psychedelic plant. It's true, 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 deep, deep healing. So sometimes if you're in Aikidos, you can see locals that look like their skin got bleached. And that's from breaking their cheetic sinango diet. Everybody knows that, right? Everybody, you can be walking you know, down the street with a shaman and be like, oh, look, he broke his cheetic diet improperly, right? Because they leave these white stains on your skin. So what you have to do is that you have to go back to the diet, I'm sorry, you have to go back to the jungle, you have to ask forgiveness to the plants, and you have to do the diet twice, I mean, you have to do the, the, the diet twice as long. So if instead of doing it for, you know, five days, you have to do it for 10 days. And then the post diet is for two months. I sometimes bend the rules with certain things, you know, maybe like, you know, I don't know, you know, like, uh, but with, with, with plant diets, I, I, that is one thing that I take uber religiously. I do not mess with diets because I've seen the other side of it and that is not something that you don't that you want to go through. It's not something that you want to go through like this gentleman you know from Germany that was with Acho Sacha. You have to so before doing a master plant diet, you have to completely utterly decide whether you're going to be able to stick to the post diet or not. And another thing that we need to mention, you can't end the diet in the middle. Once you're in, you're in. You cannot go, "Okay, this is day 4. I've had enough. I don't want this anymore." The Sharon's going to say, "Too bad. You have to ride this out." You have to ride this out. Once again, this isn't the western entitlement. Oh, I only want this part, but I don't want that part. Oh, I only want the good but not the bad. Oh, I want it to be like this for me. Oh, no, I don't want that part. You have to it's a package. It's a marriage, you know. It's a to you know it's a death to you apart, right? You, you can't just decide what you want and what you don't want.
0: Right. Right. It's like you said, once you get in that roller coaster, it's not like you're in the middle of it and you're like, excuse me, can you please pause the roller coaster and then bring a helicopter and get me out of it because I right. don't want to finish it. Right. I mean, once you're right. in it, you have to wait until the roller coaster goes to the end for you to get off of yeah. it. So yeah, totally. Yeah.
1: Yeah, or like imagine the people that did like cross Atlantic's, you know, from from England to to the United States. They can't be in in day three of you know of the of the voyage and being like, okay, turn around, go back. You know, you're once you get on that boat, you are on it. No, no matter what the ocean's like, it doesn't matter how seasick you are. It doesn't matter if the weather's horrible. Once you're on it, you're on it. And you can't just ask to get off.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and it's like that with all med- the medicines, all the earth medicines that we work with. I mean, is one of those things that once you sit in front of a facilitator, once you put that camp on, once you take that cup of ayahuasca, once you, you know, you do all of these different things, is like you just have to fully commit into it and, and just surrender to the experience and then allow whatever comes in. Uh, come to the surface for you for your own healing so Mm. yeah so it's definitely
1: true 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 super
0: super important and for for the listeners to also know the importance of working with these medicines I really like what you said about the personalities it's so important for people to understand that about a spirit and understand it about the earth medicines that we work with they all have its own personality they have their mind on their own they have their own consciousness right like i tell people it's Hmm. like when i'm meeting a friend right when i'm meeting a person for the first time right like i'm meeting that individual i'm getting to know their personality the way they think what they believe all of those things so when we meet spirits is is the same just in a spiritual context just because we don't see them it doesn't mean that it's not real so yeah this is this is all so, so, so powerful. Omar. Thank you so much. I'm enjoying this a lot. And before we go, uh, there is one thing that I want to mention about you uh, for our listeners for them to know, and is that Omar is also uh, a combo trainer. Uh, he he uh, is the owner of a school called ckpi Uh, i'm currently learning how to train with him so i can also do that and uh you guys all listen to my campbell episode and a lot of things that i know i have learned from campbell were from this particular individual that is with us so um and then there is also um other things that he does on the side. I don't know if you want to share those in the podcast, so I'll just leave that out to you. But anything that you want to say to the listeners that want to work with Cambo as practitioners, because that's, you know, is something that is happening a lot. And I want to create the space for you to kind of voice that out to those that want to work with this medicine.
1: Sure. I mean, the first time I sat with Cambo was in the year 2004. I just received it. And then I started working with it, um, with people in the year 2011. Um, I also went and lived and stayed along, you know, stayed some time with the Matseis and learned from them. And, but more importantly, I was given their blessing, um, how to go out and to teach this beautiful sacrament to people. Um, back then I had to rent a military airplane and go deep into the jungle so I would be able to Um, go into the Matze communities. I, I went both into the Brazilian and the Peruvian side. As we all know, Cambo is spreading like wildfire. And my invitation to everybody is how much does your practitioner actually truly, truly know? Because right now, it's just you know, it's an industry. I'm going to say, it, you know, plant medicine is turning into an industry where people are just looking at numbers and looking at, you know, how can I capitalize on this? And sure, their heart's in the right place. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sure they want to really help people, but it's also about how can I support my family or how can I support myself or a lot of people aren't happy in their profession. So now that what they want to do is that they want to um, subsidize that by doing Cambo so there are certain things that a cambo teacher or a um, instructor really needs to know Number or do. Number one, how long have they lived in a jungle? Anybody that says, oh, I went down there for three months or I went down there for six months, that's not enough time. That would be like me saying, oh, I went to, I went to, I went to college for, for a year and now I'm going to teach you how to do heart surgery right? That's not enough time. They must have really spent a lot of time in the jungle for, you know, I would say more than two years and been fluent in Spanish, right? If you're not fluent in Spanish, how can you possibly learn from the Matses? There's no way, right? There's no way that they're going to pass you on that lineage. There's no way that they're really going to truly teach you the art of Cambo. Um, Number two, you know, what's the reason? Why are they motivated to teach? Why do they want to teach? And where do they get their training from? I mean, did they get it from source or did they get it from a friend of a friend of an instructor that knows somebody that went to the Amazon? So you want to get as close as source as possible. Granted, not all of us have the opportunity to go down and live in the jungle for eight years. But how close can you get to that source? Um, You know, where are they getting their medicine from? Are they sourcing it well? One thing that we've just started doing is we started working with the Akate Foundation to um, make sure that the medicine is being harvested sustainably from a really good source, from the matseis themselves, that we have really uh, consciously made an effort to make sure that this money and um, the matseys are going to keep this within themselves and not just get it from some Peruvian guy that's, hurting the frogs or damaging the frogs. Um, We're also going to start studying the frogs to see, you know, how often they can be milked. Is this really hurting them? Is it not hurting them? So, you know, really being conscious about where the medicine's being harvested from, you know, uh, like we work with Shaman Flora, and we know that some of the locals will go into the jungle because there's frogs there that are, you know, that we do harvest the medicine from. That are only harvested once every three, four, five months to make sure that it's sustainable. And those are the top things that I would really, really, really um, recommend for if anybody's really thinking about becoming a Cambo trap practitioner. And the last thing is tradition. Like, are you keeping tradition? Is the person that you're learning from? Is it are they keeping tradition? There are certain things that are very, very traditional such as saliva and not using water, such as using a tamashe vine, such as only burn, burning the person and applying it on certain parts of the body. Just like the matseis, you know, my, the way that I teach the students are, how would the matseis do it, you know? Are they going to be playing, you know, guitars and during the ceremony? Well, the matseis don't do that, right? So keeping it traditionally means that you're keeping integrity. And as long as you're keeping integrity through the medicine – uh, that means that you're not allowing your ego to go into it, which means that you're keeping it the way that the Matseis were taught and the way that they've always upheld it, right? You know, who are we to change tradition?
0: Correct. Correct. Thank you. And, and yeah, I mean, for someone that, you know, went through the training and I'm still in the training and I'm constantly learning, it definitely makes a difference right? We're working with these medicines, with the tradition, also understanding like the safety procedures, being able to develop that deep connection with these medicines. Um, it's really beautiful. And, and I can attest that in CKPI is a place that, um, all of this, all of these things happen. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, so before we close, is there anything that you would like to share with our listeners before you go? Um, if this will be like a message, right, to to everybody that is listening, uh, what is something from your heart that you will like uh, for our listeners to know, uh, maybe about you or just about medicines, whatever comes to your heart?
1: We are all on a healing journey. We heal collectively. We all have to support each other. We can't criticize each other and name shame each other. Um, what What I believe in is helping each other learn, um, learn from our mistakes, learn from our good. um, And that we should all share this knowledge with each other. Um, What I really, what I'm really, uh, what I'm really feel fortunate is that, you know, that you've adopted um, Shaman Flora, and and you're going to keep it very traditional and with a lot of integrity. And to do the work, um, you have to go to source and, and you have to really commit to it. You know, healing is a commitment. It's it's not just, you know, taking the good and I don't want the bad. It's just really, really making a commitment to your healing, which means a financial commitment. It means a time commitment. And it means, you know, doing the work. And, and, and we come from a, a culture that has taught us to be entitled and has taught us that we only want things the way that we want things instead of actually doing the work. And, um, and just, you know, uh, love it. Love is the most powerful force in the world. If we can all learn to love ourselves, that means that we can all learn to love each other. And there's nothing more powerful than love. And when we learn to heal ourselves with love, then we learn how to share that with other people so that we can um, support them in their journey.
0: It was such a gift having you on today. Thank you for all the knowledge and all the wisdom and all the nuggets that you throw in to us. Uh, I hope that this is the one of many Podcast that you will be joining us uh in the future i would love to pick your brain about Campbell and then intention settings and all those different things but all in its time so thank you so much so much love from from me from from the podcast from the listeners and thank you so much
1: thank you and thank you and you know i can honestly say um I always, I always judge practitioners, not judge, but I always like, you know, like look at practitioners and places, like what I send my mother there, what I send my sisters there, what I send my, you know, my fiance there, what I send, um, somebody that I love there. And I would totally send all of my, um, you know, personal love ones to Shaman Flora because you guys do, do an incredible job with, um, with, with integrity and, and really upholding the tradition and being very safe. So, um, yeah, congratulations to you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to our episode with Omar Gomez. This was so fun to record and it was so nice to learn about his story. How do he went from, you know, going through a crisis all the way to end up in the jungle, And then moving back to the States and then also learning about master plans and Campbell and intentions, integration, um, and all of the challenges that he went through, uh, feel free to join us on our next episode. Hopefully this won't be the first time that he will be on with us. Uh, so. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please leave a review, leave a comment in any of the platforms that you're listening to us. um, And let us know what you think. What else would you like to know from a person that has this much level of experience? Thank you. Thank you so much. So much gratitude and many blessings to you for listening to today's podcast. Please subscribe to the show and tune into our next episode every Wednesday. You can find us on Instagram or join us, our Facebook group at Rainforest Healing Center. And lastly, please rate and review the show on our Apple podcast. This is the best way you can support us so we can get the show to more people just like you that want to learn about plant medicine.